1170 is streaming live on the Blitz 1170 app and online at theblitztulsa.com. All right, it's uh, 5.09 here on the Blitz 1170, streaming live on the Blitz 1170 app. Don't forget, you can text the word Dallas right now to 918-262-5072. When you do that, you're automatically entered in an opportunity to win tickets to see the Dallas Cowboys from our friends at Miller Lite. It's Miller time here on the Blitz 1170. Uh, the next pair of tickets we're giving away, the Cowboys host the Patriots on October 1st. So you can go and see that return of Ezekiel Elliott there to AT&T Stadium with the and I mean, absolutely vaunted, just Patriots offensive attack led by Mac Jones. Uh, John Holcomb's in the studio with us. What's up, buddy? How are you? You know what yesterday was, Pop? What's it that? It was, uh, well, let me let me do the math quickly here. 45-year anniversary, I believe, of, speaking of the Patriots, of little Joe Washington with the Colts. That's right. I And you know what, John? I'm glad you brought that up because I have the audio from that. Oh, it's it's worth it. Yes, it's I'm worth play it to hear Dandy Don and uh, and Cosell walk all over poor Frank Gifford <laughs> with the calls and things. I mean, that's stuff that we listen to, right? Because there is there is a formula for having a successful broadcast, and then there are some guys who can just rip that formula to shreds, and it makes it even more memorable. And mainly, the formula is, "Hey, you two, shut up and let me <laughs> yes. like do all the heavy lifting on this." But yes, I I saved it. Because uh, I, I saw it here, and I have about a 2-minute and 16-second clip. Uh, by the way, so I believe, let's see, so he he became um, the only player to throw a touchdown pass, catch a touchdown pass, and then return a kickoff for a TD in the same game. They were a 17.5-point underdog. Uh, Baltimore scored 27 points in the fourth to beat the Patriots on Monday Night Football in Foxborough, 34 to 27. And that uh, that turf was <laughs> oh, just yeah. drenched. It was yes. raining the whole night. <laughs> yeah, and it, I, I think it was a walk off kickoff return. If I may, maybe I'm wrong about that. I think that you're right, but yes, it was. The turf is so bad, and you know when turf's really bad when it's rainy when. You almost need a pair of sunglasses to try to watch the video copy of this because the <laughs> the lights are just shining and reflecting off of the wet surface. Exactly, there. it's exactly. absolutely insane. Uh, all right, well, yeah, we played a clip from Mike Gundy last night, and it kind of fit right into what you were talking about yesterday. Where Mike Gundy basically just told Dave last night, "Look, we're in a position now where we want someone to just grab a hold of the reins." And take the job. That in, in a way, it's Mike saying, "Hey, I hope you three are listening. Like somebody, please take the job." And I don't know how much more upfront and honest that you can get about the situation, other than Mike just saying, "We've kind of set you up, all three of you, in in different ways. But now it's time for you to take it upon yourselves to say, this is my job." This is my team, and I'm going to take this, and we're going to move forward. You'd love to see that. And I know yesterday we talked a little bit about Garrett Rangel, and, and you know he didn't see much time. And in the meantime, unfortunately, Dave and Robert and I were not aware, but subsequently some things have come out a little bit that Rangel and some players, I'm not sure how many, 
kind of battled a bug or something during the week and okay. missed at least a day of practice. And if if you're at a three-man quarterback race and you miss a day of practice, that's uh, that's going to make it difficult for you to be able to, even if you're back to full health, it's going to make it difficult for you to be able to have significant time or expect to be either the first guy out or the second guy out. So, um, you know, I, and, and, and to be honest, don't know who the other guys necessarily were, but if they are of significance and then you're you're trying to play through that then that could in some ways account for a flat performance in some areas but it's not an excuse i mean you still have to have to go play so then you go okay well so what happened well iowa state rocco becked and a handful of guys got food poisoning yeah. too so this stuff just happens sometimes, and it can fly under the radar and can, when it comes to light, it can explain a little bit more about what you saw on Saturday. Um, by everything that I know, Rangel's fine. Everybody's fine now. And I would expect, you know, this this battle to really ramp up. This is your second road game. Iowa State's defense, very physical, big physical corners. T.J. Tampa is one of them, and, you know, they've got a lot of experience, and they can get after you, but they really make you stay patient. So the decision-making, which Mike has said, the guys have graded out really high in terms of missed assignments or MAs, you know, or making the right – executing the right plays. Um, they, they've continued to grade out pretty equally and pretty highly – um, so it's, it's just, yeah, just please one guy get hot. I mean, get really hot that one stretch and then let's see where this goes. I think Bowman's the first example I'm going to bring up on this because those are the ones that drop passes, the ones that really kind of stand out to me, especially early on in that game. And maybe that's a completely different looking game if those don't happen, but that's, somewhat been an issue so far here in the early stages of the season and it's not as easy sometimes you just being like hey you guys need to catch the ball <laughs> right there's a, there's a lot of things that go with that but it does play a, a factor and I know that some fans don't want to hear things like that like they're like no 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 it does play a role though in what's happening and for someone to be able to take a hold of the reins there are instances where the rest of the team has to pick you up as well and, and have you in a moment like that, and that hasn't been the case so far. You're exactly right. And let's go to this as well to clear this up because I know we talked about Bowman's interception a little bit yesterday. A little more clarity to it. After practice yesterday, Talon Shetron uh, answered questions for about 10, 11 minutes and got the question about because he was asked, about, Robert asked him about option routes and how you have to be on the same page with your quarter. If you're running a lot of option routes, and for people who, you know, okay, well, exactly what's an option route? Because I remember option football. Option football and option routes are two different things. But uh, receivers have to read, and it's all about leverage. Like, depending on where the guy that's that's going to come up and defend you, how he's coming up to defend you. Do you go in or do you go out? Inside toward the middle of the field or out? And uh, Talon said that on that particular play, he's got to make a quicker read because Bowman was under pressure and had to get rid of it. Shetron made the wrong read. He said, that one's on me. So for everyone going, oh, gosh, Alan Bowman's horrible. We, we said during the broadcast of the game, like to find out exactly what happened there because it could have been a miscommunication, whatever. And so that's 
You know, that's that's kind of what it was. But yeah, if you if you complete the pass, if Bray catches it, um, then you you more than likely still have sh- uh, Stribling in the game because he's not necessarily going up high for a ball. You never know. But and and it could be you know guys like Bowman strike me as those kind of guys where if he hits his first two, look out. He could complete about ten out of eleven. Um, but he didn't, so we don't know. And and that's that's the one thing. I mean, can any of them string together about three or four completions in a row where there's significant yardage and their momentum type plays? Doesn't mean you have to score, but momentum type of plays. Guy makes a tough catch, but you put the ball right on the money. Say you pick up a first down. Uh, another guy, you know, you make the right read, you check it down, and you you fool the safety by looking to your right, and you go back left, and it's a big gainer. You know, those those types of things. It would be easy for this team to get behind it, and then. Hopefully you'd see extended periods of that. Has there been – that's one example of that. But from what you've seen so far, do you feel like there's been other examples of that where we've seen maybe there's been either the wrong read on that by a wide receiver, which will happen from time to time? I mean, Kevin Wilson was talking about that today. Here's the thing that Kevin talked about too that that also fans don't factor in sometimes is one of the interceptions that Roman threw early in the game Saturday against Oklahoma – Kevin said that's kind of on us as coaches because we're teaching him to read it one way. And Kevin admitted, he said, in the back of my brain, he said, I knew that there was a potential for uh, defense to be able to cover it this way. He said, but I've been kind of forcing it upon Roman, right, to read it this way and throw it that way. And he said, I I knew that they could do this, and they did it. Mm -hmm. They arced out a little bit more on, on what their protection was on this, and he threw a pick. And he said, so... It's hard for me to go and be angry at that kid when we're the ones that have been teaching him to read it that way the entire week. That's another one of those instances that sometimes just goes completely un, unrecognized by a fan base. Quarterbacks get the lion's share of the credit and the lion's share of the blame. And it's probably, you know, unless they're throwing it to themselves 20 yards down the field and scoring a touchdown by breaking tackles, you know, that it's that, it's that thing. In terms of other instances of that i would just say this that there's a reason why you've seen up until he couldn't play the other night because he got knocked out of the game you've seen stribbling being be the most targeted guy on the field it's it's twofold to me one is he's big and physical he's proven he can catch the ball but he's you can rely on he's going to make the right read and make it quickly and let's just give shetron as an example he got hurt. You know, he played some last year, but he got hurt. He's been battling injuries. So the in-game, how many times he's been targeted, you love to target him. He's a big athletic guy. But there's still, even when he admits, he's I've got to make that read quicker. Uh, Presley, to a certain extent, Bray, Stribling. Those three guys, and, and you know, Rashad Owens, is a big target and has, you know, now this is his third year, um, but, you know, he hasn't been targeted as much. But those are the guys that if you're going to run option routes, they they can it's, – it's easier for them to be on the same page with a quarterback. And, and a quarterback has probably a little more confidence throwing it his direction, knowing that that guy should be exactly there. The other thing, too, that, that Mike said was is that – let me make sure I get the exact quote here correct uh, so I'm not speaking out of turn. When he says, uh, I don't think our schemes were as good as they should have been, but we have the perfect storm of everything behind it, talking about when they fell behind. 
when you hear a coach talk about their schemes or like Kevin today saying, hey, you know what, we got we, we just got to coach better. Mike even said that, hey, we got to mm-hmm. be better across the board. Uh, there's truth in that. I just brought up the example of Kevin, but Mike saying the schemes are bad. You can kind of read between the lines on that. He because if you just think that Mike Gundy's just rolling in there and not holding anyone accountable, like behind the scenes, like Mike's just like that's ah, another day at the office. That is not factual with Mike at all. He is trying to hold everyone accountable to getting them up to a certain standard. Yes, he is, and he, there are, you know, he he has learned over the course of you know nineteen seasons now, eighteen plus seasons, how to trust delegating. Some of what because everybody can remember when he was calling plays and sitting on the equipment, uh, the equipment locker that was on the Missouri sideline that night, you know, and, and he was catching all of that grief for, hey, you need to be a head coach. You don't need to be sitting over there going over plays. The Andy Reid Waffle out. House menu yes, that he was looking at. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and by the way, they beat that second ranked Missouri team that night. They too, did, yeah. didn't they? Uh, but uh, and, and Damian Davis blast from the past caught two TD passes. Um, He's learned how to delegate, but it doesn't mean that he's he's not involved. I mean, we we hear this a lot about Brent Venables, and Ted Roof got the questions. Was it last week when Ted got the questions about, or maybe even after the opener, and Ted got the questions about how involved is Brent in calling defensive plays? And Ted gave a very polite non-answer in terms of being specific. Mike still has a big hand in, in what's going on in this offense. He's trusting Casey Dunn to come up with the, with the game plan, but it's like anything else. You still have to turn in your plans to the teacher. Situational. You know? Yep. Yeah. yeah. So so there, there is there is a lot of that going on. And when it comes to making adjustments, then, you know, Mike is very involved in, you know, at least hearing the suggestions or making them himself. When you guys get ready to go to Iowa State, as, as John Holcomb joins us here at 523, um, the history there at Iowa State with Oklahoma State is one that has been a roller coaster at times. Is Iowa State one of those places that just convinces you there's just something about certain places that you go to, no matter what, that you have not feeling that you could just be in for it that day? That if it's one of those days and nothing's going to go right – there's really nothing that you can do about it because we've been down this road so many times. It's weird how some places affect teams and, and other places don't, and that is a perfect example. Yeah. I mean, I think the only time I didn't have that feeling going into a game since I've been on the crew with Dave and, and Robert was the day that, and it's been, I think, 13 years ago now maybe, when Keith Tostin ran for 200-plus yards. And it that also fell – Maybe it's the it's the earliest the Cowboys have been there. It was like, I think it was the first Saturday in October that particular year. I may be off just a little bit on that. I just remember it being not just bone chilling cold. Now two years ago it wasn't. So the Keith Tosting game was November seventh, two thousand nine. Oh, wow! So I'm a month off. I had that. I just had that pictured in my head as October. It might have been a warm day it, that day, that's, though. That's what but it had 2009. to be. Two thousand nine. Yeah, I know. That's fourteen years ago, and he just ran over. And I and I did not get the sense that the Cowboys were going to be in much jeopardy that day. Now I'm always hesitant to say anything like that, but I that that was the feeling. Other than that, every time you go there, every time you go there, I. I and yeah, what is it about that place? It's you know it is uh, the, the great turnout, especially 
I mean, even when they're not that good. Yeah. You know, but but they're hardy Midwesterners. Outside you know? of they're just good defensively because they have been now for, it seems like, years. Yes. Um, and then, you know, you can also go back to the 2011 game the next time they were there, and it shouldn't have been played on that Friday given what had happened with the plane crash mm-hmm. or the women's basketball staff and Kurt Budke and, and it, it just the whole tone of what was going on with the team. Jamie Blatnick had done an internship with women's basketball, was extremely tight with everybody there. And it just, it was TV. Can't move it. You know, and, and, but so that, that whole thing just had a weird feeling about it. And then you add on top of that, it's a night game and they aren't having a great season, but they see this as their Super Bowl. You know, it's one of those, Mm -hmm. one of those deals. Now that, now the the last two of the last three times, maybe, Two years ago was an unbelievably good game. Great game. Physical. Um, not sure that Brennan Presley didn't pick up that first down on the fourth and, and short when they swing it out to him, but the call was what it was. Um, you know, they and, – and that was an afternoon game when you knew you better bring your big boy pants, you know, for one of those things. And I know that a lot of people out there are going, wait a minute, Oklahoma State and Iowa State, and you're talking about it being physical? That day it was very physical. And then one of the trips with uh, Mason Rudolph where A.J. Green had to pick off the pass in the corner of the end zone. The thing went like 48-42, something like that. I mean, something always seems to be in the air around that. And it's you just know that, if you if you don't come ready to play, um, then you're probably not going to leave there with a win. It is a great place for college football, though. I yeah. mean, and what they've built there, even with the new like indoor facility now, that's kind of off in the background of what they've what they've invested into the program uh, at a place that I think you could make some some similarities to to what Oklahoma State and the, and the challenges that exist and you know the battle that you have inside your own state. It's they love football up there, and to your point about it doesn't matter sometimes about how good they are. They show up, and they are just as faithful as, as, as all can be. Yeah, and a little side note, same architect built uh, Iowa State Stadium as West Virginia's. Okay, all right. And, and if you think about it, you start picturing it in your mind, yeah, and you look the way that it's kind of similar, angled, for sure. mm-hmm. curved, it's same guy. So that Keith Tostin game... Alexander Robinson, if you remember at the time, was the Big 12 leader in rushing yards at that time in November who played for Iowa State. And Tostin ran all over them that that day. So, yeah. And it took a back like Keith who would like to run over you. Uh-huh. You know, one of those things because they tend to keep that grass field a little bit longer. It's almost the Notre Dame effect. It is always that way up there, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. Get all that heavy machinery up there. You can't what? You can't run a Case International Harvester <laughs> across that thing, right? <laughs> it's a it's a beautiful green field. It, it, it very much is. Yeah. Yes, it is. And uh, the pork tenderloin sandwiches are out of this world, uh, too. That's from yeah. what I hear. It is, uh, it is great. Uh, can I ask you a... TV question and sure. get your opinion on it. Sure. We ran into the debate last night off of Monday Night Football. Bryce and I talked about this earlier. So now we've had four straight games with something pretty awful happen on Monday Night Football. Going back to DeMar Hamlin. Uh, so Nick Chubb last night, Aaron Rodgers the previous week. And then there was another one that happened where someone got injured. Oh, but ESPN made the decision not to replay the injury last night. What side are you on? Because Dan Patrick this morning was talking about how he felt like that he was trying to make an argument that you still show at least one replay of it. 
and then maybe you decide not to after that point. You've been in this game long enough. You've called some some injuries on the field before, mainly from a radio perspective, but where do you fall on the responsibility of the broadcaster showing an injury like that? I think over time I've I've come to this that there is a responsibility I I believe to show it once. Okay. But yeah. I also think there's a responsibility to set the table for viewers. And I know you could get somebody just flipping the channel at the uh, in, right in the middle of when you're showing it. I get that. But more often than not, you're going to have people who are invested in, I'm going to watch this regardless. This is what I do on Monday night, for example. Yes. Um, to, to let them know, look, we're going to show this again. If you don't, it's, it's the same thing with Olympic results, and you're not going to see them on tape delay. It's, That's right. it's the same sort of deal. So you give a disc, not a disclaimer, you just kind of let people know, we're going to show this. If you don't want to watch it, Please turn away now, and then you know we will sound the all clear. <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah, and I, but I, back when I was worked in Amarillo before I got here to Tulsa, Napoleon Kaufman, when the Niners were playing the mm-hmm. uh, Raiders yes. that night, and yes. his was uh, as bad as Chubb or worse, mm-hmm. and I didn't, you know, I I went ahead with showing a. I think I showed it at regular speed, but I showed it during a six o'clock sportscast. And I go, I think about that now, and I'm like, well, I could have handled that and probably should have handled that a little bit differently. Did I need to show it? Well, if it's something everyone is talking about, yeah, you know, maybe you you show it, you stop it before it gets really bad. Yeah. Maybe. So I'm I'm like you. I think if you are airing the game. You have a responsibility to inform the audience to your fullest ability, but you do that in a way, and let's use the the Gordon Hayward example. When he had that injury happen, they decided to air it once, and they told they told everyone, look, this is bad. We're going to show this to you once, and I think they showed the aerial view. They did not slow it down and do the slow motion. They didn't shadow box it, you know, where you're – and they didn't zoom in on it. In an NFL game – how many different camera angles do you have in, in your average NFL, especially for Monday Night Football, for crying out loud? <laughs> You've got more than one angle. I think you have the ability to either sky cam or a different one where you don't have to show show the image, but yet you still owe it to the viewer that needs to understand, one, how devastating that this, that this is, and two – um, a recap of because that is a story. That's one of the major storylines coming out of last night's game, right? Yeah. So yeah. I think you show it once and then you move on. It's also changed a little bit from even the Napoleon Kaufman days because if someone is thirsty for that, and bless you if you are, <laughs> you know that's that's your choice. You have the ability now to find it sure. because it's going to be posted at least 150,000 times in about a 30-second sure, span. Sure. Like, they're they're always going to be you, – you have the access to go find it now. So it's it, the game has changed a bit. I think, though, too, that there is a line that you don't cross. And I would say that with, with Chubb, I mean, you saw leg bending at a, you know, grotesque angle, but, but everything stayed inside the pants, leg, and the sock. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If you've got something that is going to protrude through whatever. The Sean Livingston injury yes, from the I, Warriors a few years ago. I mean, I ago. think that maybe that's where you just kind of then your responsibility is, hey, look, this happened, and you can talk about it. Who was the – Kevin Ware, the Louisville player. Yes. That happened to Yes. Okay. And, yeah. and, and, but then but, – but I don't think – 
if there's <laughs> hate to say this, but I, you know, look, it's it's not quite six, and that's dinner time, right? So you could just say, if if a bone's sticking out, there's no reason to show that. I don't mm-hmm. think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting to see kind of the the arguments back and forth on, hey, should we show this? Should we not show it? And and the path that you take forward, because I mean. I go through this every year, even when I'm doing like ESPN Plus broadcast, when we have to do the Zoom meetings with ESPN, and they tell you, this is how you handle injuries. This is what you say. This is what you don't say. But they have at least taken a better approach than what we've had in the past. But last <laughs> night was not necessarily one of those that I needed to see on a, on a loop. Nope. Nope. Me neither. At all. By the way, do you know the last time that the Browns started 2-0? and Was it when Brandon Whedon was there? quarterback you got to go back further than that tim couch you got to go back further than that bernie kosar browns have not been 2-0 since 1993 oh bernie kosar yes (laughs) they hold the longest record in the league the next closest is the colts at 2009 that's the last time they were 2-0 but you 30 years since a franchise started 2-0 which is an unbelievable record see as a longtime saints fan Congrats, those kind of streaks, two and zero. Yeah, thank you. Uh, those, those, yeah, an ugly two, but <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, uh, but I, I can appreciate. And you say thirty years now, that surprises me. But then I, I go back and say, well, you know, there was that time that I was in high school, and uh, the Saints were the ain'ts back then, and bagheads were all over the place. And we, my buddy and I, could move down to the sixth row behind the 49ers bench just so we could see Joe Montana play. And it wasn't even Joe Montana. Guy Benjamin played quarterback for him that day. <laughs> we didn't even get that. We don't need to get Joe Hurt. Let's just yeah. go ahead and roll, <laughs> roll out all of our uh, backup quarterbacks here. All right, John, good stuff, buddy. Appreciate you, and uh, we'll check in. Well, I won't be here on Friday based off of travel. Hopefully Colby's voice holds up, so if you can uh, send him some oolong tea. I don't I don't really know what you use for your voice or anything else like that, but, you know, a hot toddy, whatever you need. Yeah. Bruce is a big believer in those Fisherman Friends cough drop things yes. that I think taste terrible, but... Those work for him, yeah. but anything, that, any remedies that you've got for Colby, please send them his way. I, I, I will give it my best, and I'll be um, on on the old line from uh, Des Moines or Ames at some point. That's right. That's right. Both of us headed uh, headed north for our games. Mm-hmm. All right, it's five thirty six. We'll take a timeout. Uh, we'll come back with more next year on the Blitz eleven seventy and streaming live on the Blitz eleven seventy app. This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.